Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog. Welcome to Forever Dog. You can listen to this podcast ad-free on Forever Dog Plus by signing up at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on social at Forever Dog Team and check out all of our podcasts at foreverdogpodcasts.com. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Forever Dog. Welcome to Public Domain Theatre with Kelly Nugent and Lindsay K. Ty. Reading Where Angels Fear by Manly Wade Wellman. <laughs> Welcome to Public Domain Theatre, the podcast of highbrow readings and lowbrow commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay K. Ty. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. <gasps> and today we are reading... Th- a story a- by a hilariously named person. Manly Wade Manly Wellman. Manly Wade Wellman. Hmm. What okay. was the other, what was the one where we, it was Ronnie Adrian's episode and it was, we learned somebody's real name and we cracked up. It was like was something, it? something nutter or nuts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lionel old D nuts or something. Yeah. It was like dirty nuts nutterson. <laughs> Nutter, I forget. It was Nutter. It was the Charles Beaumont yeah. episode, but his, his real name was, name was like Chuck Lionel Nutter. Nuts. Lionel Nuts. Yeah, so, it was Lionel Nuts. I'm probably just thinking Lionel Hutz, but anyway. <laughs> it was something like that. It was something nuts. Anyway. Um, but this guy. Good name. So, Lindsay. Mm-hmm, Kelly. What do you know about Manly Wade Wellman? Oh, everything clearly from my reaction, my normal reaction to a name that I've heard a thousand times before. Calling to order the first meeting of the Manly Wade Wellman <laughs> fan club. Uh, Once again, it's just me. It's just me. Take a uh, minute and the president and the vice president and the treasurer. Uh, Chet Chasman, present. Okay. Okay. That's all, uh, that's all president accounted for. All right. Moving forward. Minutes. Uh, Should we bring beer to these meetings from now on? All, all in opposed. favor? Yeah. All oh, God. in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? Nay. Uh-oh. Oh, I answered. Me. I to, I'm of two minds about this. <laughs> I gotta go take a walk in the woods and think about this. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Manly Wade Wellman. Yes. When do you think he was born? With a name like that. My goodness. Do you want to see a picture of him so you can maybe guess? Yes. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh hello. hello, manly indeed. Manly. Okay. He's got a face like a pancake, Somebody's baby. invited to my flapper party. <laughs> Ooh. I'm going to say born 18, no, 
1900. Oh, very close. 1903. Hey. Died in 1986. Wow, he lived a long time. Oh, my God. Get this. I wonder if I ever met him. (laughs) He's so handsome. I mean, you would never He's forget. So handsome. He's so He's handsome. He's like Rhett Butler up in here with that face. He's like if Rhett Butler, fucking Clark Gabling all over, was soaked town. in some turkey brine. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> He's like a little puffed up, puffed up Rhett Butler. Um, this is probably a fake. Like, it, he probably looks much worse. Than I this. guess he is a little puffy. But He's that just pencil thin mustache. Yes, please. Yeah, and that party tight, for one tight collar. I um, love a tight collar on a on a puffy man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I love? Food. I, I didn't love have dinner. I love the look of like a rubber band on a hot dog, <laughs> <laughs> but like a bloated hot dog that's been like yeah. sitting in a it's pot of water for boiled. a while. Also, like honestly, though, I saw that photo and I thought he was handsome, and now it's like gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're both. Hungry. I'm so hungry. We're hungry and we had rosé. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Dara. Thank you, Dara. Uh, Listener episode of Teen Creeps. Uh, mm-hmm. Always a that. plug. Always a plug. <laughs> Always a plug, never Always a lady. A <laughs> Always a plug, never a bride. <laughs> okay, so Wellman was born. Yes, 1903. In, in the village oh, okay. of Camandongo in Portuguese <laughs> West Africa, oh. now Angola. Okay. Where his father, Frederick Creighton Wellman, was, was a stati- colonist. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Stationed as a medical officer. He spoke the native dialect before he learned English. Mm, became an adopted son of a powerful chief whose vision Dr. Wellman restored? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Wait, the, the father? Oh, yeah, the medical. Doctor. Yeah. The Dr. Cri- doctor. Creighton. Dr. Michael Creighton. Medical Wellman. <laughs> That CBS show, Dr. Michael Curtin, Medical Wellman. <laughs> Starring Jane Seymour as Dr. Michael Curtin, Medical Wellman. <laughs> the thing is, too, that like Michael Curtin, like so wished that he was a doctor. <laughs> Oh my god, Dr. <laughs> Michael Crane, medical woman. <laughs> it's not even medical woman, it's medicine woman. <laughs> I just realized that. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> medical woman. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm so tired. I'm crying. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) You guys are really good at Photoshop. Can one of you guys please Photoshop a Dr. Michael Crichton medical wellman poster? Uh, Okay. So the uh the doctor (laughs) restored Uh vision to the powerful chief. Uh And I guess the son became the adopted son. So then while he's still a young boy... Uh, when I was a young boy, his family moved to the United States, where he attended school in Washington, D.C., prep school in Salt Lake City, college at Wichita Municipal University, now Wichita State University in Kansas. Okay. Great. Honestly, I zoned out halfway through. I mean, it was not exciting. He, he, <laughs> Brett, oh, 
get Please this do better. Get this. Be best. He becomes a distinguished football player. Ooh. He, but oh no. Oh. He got little encouragement from either family or teachers oh. with his plans to become a writer. Oh. So his one of his early stories is called "Back to the Beast." One teacher Ooh. remarks, "Your work is impossible." <laughs> Oh, it's because he's he should be a doctor. It's because he's a, he's a medical the well-man. son of a medical wellman. Was the son of a medical wellman. Na, na, okay, na, 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 na. Uh, in the 1930s and 40s, Wellman published numerous sci-fi, fantasy, and horror stories in pulp magazines, such as Weird Tales, Wonder Stories, and Astounding Stories. Most of these stories revolve, oh no, around three recurring characters. Uh-oh. <laughs> One. John, a.k.a. John the Balladeer, a.k.a. Silver John, a wandering okay. backwoods minstrel with a silver stringed guitar. Two, the elderly occult detective, Judge Persuviant. <laughs> okay. And three, John Thunstone, also an <laughs> occult investigator. This is like that episode of Mystery Science Theater, <laughs> Space Mutiny, where you just keep making up like a hunky names for the hunk character like John Thunderthighs <laughs> starring Chunk Go Get Him starring Chair Ankleman um, <laughs> following a similar path as other pulp writers of the period Wellman also wrote for various comic books what he called squinkies <laughs> I wonder why they didn't take off and wrote the first issue of Captain Marvel Adventures for Fawcett Publishers. Oh, shut the fuck up. Really? Wow. Later, he'd be called into court to testify against Fawcett in a lawsuit by DC Comics about the plagiarism of Superman by the creators of Captain Marvel. Oh, shit. Wellman testified that his editors had encouraged their writers to use Superman as the model for Captain Marvel. Mm. Though it took three years, DC won the case. At age 82, Wellman suffered a serious fall Aww. on June 15th, 1985, sustained severe fractures of his le left elbow and shoulder, which made him an invalid. Aww. Due to the onset of gangrene in his legs following <gasps> double amputation, what? Wellman's it was health the 80s. Why? failed further and he died at his home in Chapel Hill, North Carolina on fuck? April 5th. 1986. How do you die of gangrene in 1986 shit. from a fall? I mean, That's it's like depressing. when people die of like staff and shit too. They get like a blister or well, cut. Well, that I get. But like from a fall, how do you get gangrene? Well, he had in his legs already. Oh. 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 I mean, oh, God. No, thank you. Mama okay. Mia. Mama Mia pizza pie. All right. Ready? <laughs> I don't want gangrene in my, my thigh. Eye. Oh. <laughs> Nor in my thigh do I want gangrene. I don't want gangrene on a truck. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, one, two, The only other three, rhyme that I've been sitting four, here trying to come up with a five. rhyme to finish that, and it was just, I don't want gangrene when I fuck. That was Ew. all I could think of. And I when don't. When I fuck I in don't. the street. <laughs> when I fuck with who I meet. <laughs> gangrene, gangrene everywhere. Gangrene won't be in my hair. <laughs> This is nasty, <laughs> nasty fucking Dr. Seuss shit. I have shit. to shave my head because I'm <laughs> gangrene. <laughs> oh, your hair has gangrene. We'll have to remove it. Tragic. We're angels fear. Oh, there's a, there's a, like a, a log warning. <laughs> Particularly recommended for lonely people in old houses on dark, windy March nights. Nights. Is it Ex capitalized no, or exclamation point? There's an exclamation point. point that I didn't see when I started reading the word <laughs> sentence. Oh, we should say that this was listener submitted. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank was you. Was this just one listener, Brett? Okay. The uh, Christina Rossetti poem was multiple. Yes. So. This is a little less popular. God bless this solo flyer. We'll see why. 
<laughs> Half a mile from McCormick's cabin, a paved highway crossed the rutted woodland road, and here a post held aloft in the misty darkness an electric light. Muriel Fisher paused in its brightest glow and turned up her spectacled, good-humored young face. Let's interview that whiskey, Scotty, she said. Oh. It's on trial for murder. <laughs> McCormick smiled and drew the silver flash from McCormick? under the tail. McCormick? What did McCormick? I say? No, I'm oh. just, it's nothing. <laughs> it's not. Don't worry about it. I think it's also a mystery science theater. Oh. <laughs> McCormick smiled and drew the silver flash from under the tail of his old shooting coat. He was a tall, gaunt young man, made sturdy just now by rough, heavy clothes. Between his plaid scarf and the brim of his felt hat showed a fine, bony face, Gaelically oh, wide and jaw. I love a jaw. good bony face. Nice. Mmm, gaunt. Gaelically wide and jaw and brow with a narrowness through the cheeks. Drink, he invited and drew the stopper for her. She drank with honest hardiness. Her oh. bandana-framed face, tilting back under the white light, seemed to have lost a touch of its healthy pink, but... She looked ready enough in her tweed suit, turtleneck, brown sweater, woolen stockings, and Oxfords. You could just tell what she wanted it. What, what with those Oxfords? Ha <laughs> ha! That braces me to the adventure, she said, handing back the flask. This is like the beginning of a Sherlock Holmes story. Old clothes, thick walking sticks, a bottle of liquor, and a dark road to travel. Her spectacles turned to scan the extension of the road on the other side of the pavement. I think that what she hasn't learned, because she doesn't listen to this podcast, is that Sherlock Holmes stories always begin at his house yes. with some like minor household nonsense between him and Watson. And then mm -hmm. somebody shows up and he just like patronizes them while they explain all of the crimes that have been happening. Also, the narrator first has to be like, we hadn't seen anything like this since this thing. And then talk about that thing. Yeah, and then name five other cases. <laughs> Her spectacles turned to scan the extension of the road on the other side of the pavement. It seemed suddenly to dwindle, to become no more than a trail in the deepening fog. Only, she added, Sherlock Holmes was too rational to believe in haunted houses. True. His creator wasn't, said McCormick, and drank in turn. The God? potent whisk... <laughs> God believed God? in ghosts? God believed in haunts. In g g g g ghosts? <laughs> and drank in turn, the potent whiskey cut from his mouth the savor of those sardines they'd eaten together. Just before staring into the night. This couple's gross. <laughs> He's like, why don't we uh, drive together down the road and eat some sar suck down some sardines and some and then, whiskey? Yeah, <laughs> followed up with a shot of whiskey. Listen, mm, bracing. <laughs> I love a briny, sharp fish. I like to follow it with a smoky, peaty mass of, of liquid. All the better if it tastes like soap going down my gullet. Now quick, kiss me. Let us mingle our spits. So we feel like we're in a Sherlock Holmes story. Oh, Sherlock. Oh, Sherlock, take me. Watson, your breath stinks of fishes. Conan Doyle believed in ghosts, fairies, and God. What time is it, Muriel? That's true. He's the spiritualist. He was. She peeled down a knitted glove and looked at her wristwatch. Twenty minutes after eleven. We'd better hurry to, if we reach this boogie bin of yours before midnight. Ooh, boogie bin. Boogie bin. <laughs> they crossed boogie bin. Boogie bin. They crossed the highway and plunged into the half gloom beyond. Only a narrow strip of the sky hung between the two blocky masses of trees, and from there filtered a slaty blue light. The moon would be full, or almost, but wholly the mist clouds obscured it. Underfoot, the going was uneven and turfy. And 
Mm, this ground is so turfy. <laughs> oh, wow. The ground is so turfy. And the tip of McCormick's walking stick set a pebble, scuppling, scuttling. Muriel started violently, laughed to deprecate her own nervousness, and fumbled for a cigarette. McCormick found himself grateful for the brief flare of her match. Tell me all about the house, Scotty, she begged. It's a treasure trove of goblins, if it's authentic. He complied. I've seen it only twice and by daylight both times. Are they ghost hunters? <laughs> Fuck yes. Oh, this is the... Remember the in, occult investigators? This is very common. Is McCormick one of, the, one of the three that he does? Let's look. Is that what this is called? Wait, what? So he has three characters that he likes to do a oh, lot. Oh, right, right, right. No, none of them. Oh. Well, mm-hmm. so two of his three favorite characters are occult detectives. Okay. So this is of a, of a passion of his. Mm-hmm. It has the traditional look, all right. A big square-roofed ruin, two stories high, on a rock above a stream. The local gossips tell me that it was built maybe 60 years ago by a young couple who were found one morning in an upstairs room, hanging by the necks. A gatekeeper looking for the keymaster. <laughs> well, the key! Suicide? asked Muriel. Or murder? Nobody's sure. After a while, some relatives moved in. A man with his wife and a young son. During the first week, so I understand, the mother died suddenly and mysteriously. And the little boy was so scared by something that he had to be taken to a hospital. Ooh. So scared, he's hospitalized. Spooky. Next morning, the father was dangling and dead in the same upstairs room. That was the last place of regular residence. Muriel drew up her shoulders. I don't wonder. What about the poor little boy? He didn't entirely recover. He grew up to be me. It's I, the little boy! (laughs) The grocery man down at the village says he's at the state hospital. Mental case. Yikes. Can't rightly remember who he is or how he got there. Quiet. Harmless. But they don't dare leave as much as three feet of rope where he can get to it. His last name is Myers. Michael. And nobody's lived in the house since, prompted the girl. Well, not lived in it, McCormick told her. Once a convict escaped from the prison camp and ran away through the woods... That was a year before last. I was spending the summer at my cabin. The state police tracked him to the house and cut him down from the hook where he was hanging. Woo! Another hanging? Hangings on hangings. Woo! Gasped Muriel with shivery relish. I thought that that was you, not nope. the story. In the upstairs room. In the upstairs room. I wish everyone could see the little show that Kelly is putting on with her body language. It's called acting. She's like, woo! Woo, woo, woo! It's saucy. McCormick lighted his pipe. Its bowl sent forth a soft, rose-colored glimmer that relieved his strong, bony features with the impression of whimsical gentleness. Hmm. The night was strangely still, except for the footfalls and respirations of man and woman. Okay. Coming together. Two bodies in the night, smelling of anchovies and whiskey. Sardines! Sorry. (laughs) Incorrect nasty fish! (laughs) The other one. No insect chirped or creaked. The autumn leaves did not rustle on the branches. McCormick thought that the cold pers- perspiration was starting on his forehead, but perhaps it was the condensation of the mist. I do hope that nobody knows we're going out ghost hunting, he remarked. Some heavy-handed jokester might dress up in a sheet and come to call. <laughs> Have you brought any charms along? His companion asked. Wolf, Spain, a crucifix, holy water? Lucky anything charms. of that? <laughs> the ones where it's, it's frosted flakes plus the marshmallows in Lucky Charms? A a tiny shrunken head? (laughs) Anything of that description? McCormick shook his head. 
I'm out to see ghosts, not drive them away. He replied and smiled. Smart. Smart. He had an agreeable smile. But with his pipe fire half screened in ashes, his face looked like a clay mask in the blue dimness. Muriel Fisher felt less cheerful than she had at the beginning of the walk, and far less skeptical of ghosts than when she and McCormick had shared sandwiches and coffee in his snug cabin. Oh, that how do they know each other? <laughs> Say! Who are they to one another? Are you by any chance a... Both of them at the same time. Yeah. Ghost hunter? Why, yes. <laughs> Sardine sandwich? Oh, if I please, mind if I get out my flask of whiskey? <laughs> the cabin seemed far away just now, but she refused to wish herself back. She had come out here tonight expressly to see a haunted house. Where's the scene of all these gothic horrors? She asked after a time. Almost directly ahead, her companion informed her. Yes, here's the creek and the road ends. There was a bridge once, I dare say, but not now. The trees shrank away from this spot, and the fog-strained moonlight was almost strong around the two adventurers. Before them, set deep between rocky banks, ran black swift water. McCormick stepped cautiously to the very edge, peered down and then across. Ugh, it looked narrower by day, I must confess. He remarked. However, I think I can jump it. He flung his walking stick to the far bank, gathered his body suddenly, and straddled his long legs into a skipping leap. He seemed to swing right across the stream, gained the rough-looking rocks beyond, and turned back. His thin face was the, like a genial skull in the moonlight. Genial skull? What, what, a, what a nice-looking skull in the moonlight. Halloween. Casper, the friendly goat. If you only go a little way down, it's narrower, he called to Muriel. But she, too, flung her stick across. Don't coddle me, she cried gaily. Hell yeah, get it, girl. I can jump as far as you can. Hell yeah, it's modern times. You get it, girl. She suited the action of the word, and bravely, but her stride could not match McCormick's. Whoops, because she's her, just a woman. She's a woman. And her skirt hampered the scissory thrash of her legs. Scissory oh, thrash. God. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One blunt Oxford touched the edge of the far bank. Rock crunched and crumbled beneath it. She felt herself falling backward. McCormick, moving quickly forward. So... I'm sorry, McCormick, moving quickly for so big a man, shot out a hand and clutched her by the wrist. With a mighty heave, he fairly whipped her to safety. Thanks, Scotty, she gasped. Nice. This is, like... This is love. The fact that this is, like, the exciting action is them just <laughs> jumping over a creek. A small creek. Oh, is she going to make it? She or is she going to get her shoes wet? She straightened her spectacles, then the bandana that was bound over her head and beneath her chin, peasant-style. You spared me a cold bath. Their clothes are baffling. <laughs> like, I, what is he both wearing? Both of them are dressed insanely. Well, they're going to see ghosts. Like they went through one of those uh, dare clothing bins that are in parking yeah. lots. And they just that picked. are a scam. Are they? Yeah, don't put your clothes in there. They're not for charity at all. What are they for? Yeah, people sell them. Really? Yeah. I also just don't fuck with dare because me neither. It doesn't work and it's corrupt. Um, they both smiled and breathed deeply in mutual relief. I take that escape as a good omen, she went on. No, is this the haunted house? It looks to be. They had come to a large no, clearing. No, that's a tree. He's like, no, that's actually my house. That was really rude. Wow, that um, was harsh. I know it's old, but I've been fixing it up. Here in the mist had thickened to a pearly cloud. In its heart rose a great cliff-like structure with towering walls and a flat roof. The walls had weathered to a gloomy night gray in which shuttered windows formed indistinct deviations. A porch had once run the entire width of the front, but the roof was collapsed, the pillars fallen, and the floor all but in ruins. Isn't that a lightning-blasted oak in the front yard? 
asked Muriel, pointing with her recovered stick. Oh, she got the stick back. Thank oh, God. good. I'm so glad he said that. I was wondering. I suppose owls hoot in its branches to foretell the death of the... Br- I'm sorry. I suppose owls hoot in its branches to foretell the death of the air. Okay. There aren't any heirs, McCormick reminded her. All of them died or were hanged. Come around to the side. There's supposed to be an open window there. He Where le- I can hang you. <laughs> I brought you here to hang. Like all of the others I've brought here. Thousands of people. Yeah. He led the way up a rise in the overgrown yard and through thick-set brambles that may once have been a bank of roses. Three windows were ranged in line on the right side of the house, and the rearmost showed blacker than its fellows. McCormick pushed close to it, knee-deep in rank shrubs that showed one or two wax-petaled flowers. No shutters, he reported, and the glass is all but broken out of the sash. Where are you, Muriel? I'm here, what? Right with you, came her reply <laughs> from just behind his arm. He turned, set his, went, hand, huh. set his hands to her waist, and Ooh. lifted her lightly through the opening. Huh. Oh. <laughs> Whee! Right through the window. Wee! It's dark! Shut the fuck up! (laughs) She cried in protest as her feet came to light on the dully echoing echoing floor. At once she struck a match. It gave blotchy glimpses of a big crumbling room, apparently running all the way from the... From... (laughs) I'm going to have to make this larger. (laughs) This isn't going to work. Okay. There we go. That's better. It gave blotchy glimpses of a big crumbling room, apparently running all the way from front to back of this part of the house. McCormick struggled in through the gap where the window had been. His bracing fingers found the wood spongily dry. Ooh. All right. As if the house had been decaying for six centuries instead of 60 years. dry rot. Yeah. I was going to make the most nonsense joke. I was like, just like Muriel's vagina. I'm so tired. <laughs> I brought no flashlight. Oh, pardon. I brought no flashlight, he informed Muriel. Only a candle. You did exactly right. Why chase away spirits with electricity? She watched as he ignited the fat tallow cylinder, which yielded a clear courage. courage maybe courageous, perhaps, yeah. except it's broken up by a line, and so I sounded insane. By a cor- clear, courageous tag of flame. Now where? Thick tallow. What was it? Mm. Thick tallow what? Thick, the fat tallow cylinder. Oh, baby. (laughs) Give me that fat tallow cylinder, baby. We're gross tonight. Give me me that uh, candle. (laughs) (laughs) Give me that waxy staff. (laughs) Now where, she asked. There should be stairs leading upward, he said, and moved across the room. Its boards creaked and buckled under his shoes, and crumbs of plaster fallen from the shattered ceiling made harsh, crunching noises. The candle showed them a doorway through which they walked together. Beyond, they found themselves in a central hall. Here was the flight of stairs they sought, its railings fallen away in a heap, and clotted blackness above. The plaster of the walls had broken away in sheets. Again, they were aware of the presence in the house of Decay's very soul. Do we go up? inquired Muriel, her voice automatically hushed. Pardon me. Do we go up? inquired Muriel, her voice automatically hushed, and McCormick nodded and again led the way. His left hand held the candle high. His right clutched his stick tightly, as though to be ready to strike a bottom. He could not have told what he feared to meet. The upper landing was encircled with moldy-looking doors, two of them fallen from their hinges. McCormick went to each, Muriel close at his heels, and held in his candle for quick examination. He stopped at the right rear chamber, just above the window by which they had entered. 
Here's our haunted room, he announced. See the hooks there on the wall at the back? The hooks he mentioned were set well into the plaster, within inches of the ceiling. Wait, they hang themselves from a wall? They're like, I'm just going to hang myself like a robe. Yeah. It's like a little just bathrobe. Jump on the hook, and like then a silk I'm kimono. ready to go when you're done in the shower. <laughs> Strangely enough for that house of ruin and rot, they appeared to shine in the candlelight as if new and rustless. Elsewhere clung a strange pall of gloom, though the flaked and ragged wallpaper must have been reasonably light in color. I wonder if a hundred-watt lamp would help this room any, grunted the tall man. It looks to be in mourning for the four who were hanged. But we'll douse the candle anyway in a minute. Hold it, Muriel, while I spread something for us to sit down. Still don't know who they are to each other. From a big pocket of his shoe... Wow. From a big pocket of his shooting coat, he fished a folded newspaper and, spreading it out, covered a space against the wall directly beneath the hooks. Now, he said, light another cigarette if you like. I'll put a fresh fill in this pipe. Ready? He took back the candle and blew it out, and they sat down in the dark. After Wait, is that supposed to attract the ghosts? Apparently, they're like, we gotta put all the lights out so the ghosts come out to play. <laughs> Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. <laughs> he took back the candle and blew it out, and they sat down in the dark. After a blinded moment, they saw that a dim radiance stole into the room. There must be chinks in the window shutter somewhere, and the moon now close to Zenith, was fighting its way through the mists so as to peer in. The two ghost challengers, <laughs> that's good, I like that, sat shoulder to shoulder, each silently grateful for touch of the other. Muriel again peered at the illuminated dial of her watch. It lacks only seven or eight minutes of midnight, she announced in half a whisper. Scotty, you're quite willing to stay? Strange as it may seem, returned McCormick, I'm suddenly quite willing to depart, but I won't. I came here to see ghosts, if there are any, and I don't intend to leave so close to the proverbial witching hour. It was not much of a success as a careless chatter. Silence fell again and awkwardly. Muriel broke in in a voice no louder than a sigh. Look, they both saw, or thought they saw, a stir in the shaft shimmer of gauzy light. It might have been streaks of silent rain falling as the roof had been open. Had the roof been open. Again, it might have been the rhythmic creeping of long spider spare legs without a tangible body. Wait, what? A bodiless spider? Yeah. Or a spider that they're hearing, but they can't see the body or anything. <laughs> like, they're hearing a spider is another way to put it. <laughs> is that a spider right here? Uh, without a body? <laughs> McCormick felt something fastened tightly upon his biceps. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? McCormick felt something fastened tightly upon his biceps and started violently. But it was Muriel's fingers closing for comfort on his flesh. Her hand slid down to his own, into his own grasp. <gasps> nice. Nice. He too, sexy. He was, too regained something of serenity and strength in being able to reassure her. Scotty, she was breathing at his ear. I wonder if there's something the matter with the doorway. Is it closing? He stared. His eyes had grown more used to the almost darkness. Not closing, he made easy-sounding reply. The door's off the hinges. There, it leans against the wall. But the opening does look smaller somehow, growing narrower and lower, she added. It's only an optical illusion, of course. And she chuckled nervously. But I'd bet good money that you'd have to stoop to get through it. Okay. So it's just like a small... <laughs> Again, the illusion of bandy leg lines stirring in the room, this time very near... McCormick, at least, fancied that he heard something like a stealthy scramble, and once again he lifted the stick that had never qu quitted his strong right hand. 
His left squeezed Muriel's wrist, trying to win back some of the calmness he had transmitted to her. Excuse me. I thought I was going to burp, and then I didn't. (laughs) But when he tried to fix his eyes on the spidery movement, it seemed to fade to retreat. He echoed in his heart the words of companion, of his companion. Optical illusion, of course. I'd have to. They need a night vision camera or night vision goggles. They need to just admit that they came here to have sex. Yeah. I'd have to stoop too, Muriel was telling him. It looks like the door to to a dollhouse. Again, her chuckle more hysterical than before. (laughs) (laughs) Chin up, McCormick extorted her. When we get up from here and walk toward it, there'll be a width and height enough. Are you so anxious to see ghosts? Now? She fairly quavered. McCormick did not wish to heighten her terror by denying. He did not wish to tempt any strange and sudden visitation by agreeing. He therefore kept his peace and quartered the floor and walls with his straining eyes. Once again, something rustled nearby, menacingly stealthy. Menacingly stealthy. He leaned hard against the wall and drew up his legs so that his feet would come under him and bring him, if necessary, swiftly erect. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like squatting. He's just squatting by Mm -hmm. the thing. Too much imagination, he accused himself. This was undoubtedly the way that physical psychical investigators condition themselves to experience phenomena that never really happen. These people have never hunted a ghost before. No, they are he like works at a bank. He works at a bank and she works in a cannery <laughs> with sardines. Uh-huh. And he's like, "Say, I smell some sardines on the air." Hey. Don't tell me. We are you one of those fish girls? I am. Do you want to find a ghost? I do. Great. Let's go. And they're both like, "We both love finding ghosts." They're like teenagers who are like trying to find an excuse to be alone together, Mm -hmm. but not wanting to say what they're really doing, which is wanting to have sex. Yep. Yep. Mm. Psychical investigators conditioned themselves to experience phenomena that never really happened. No wonder people had been frightened into hanging themselves on those hooks overhead. But he was too rational a being to be thus stampeded. Optical illusion, he insisted once once again to his thundering heart. At most, none of the things he almost saw or heard would be too terrible to face. A blow of his stick, but what if it lashed out and met no substance? Well, yeah, if it's a ghost, you try to hit with a stick and nothing's going to happen. Oh, my God, guy. It's the bent neck lady. (gasps) No, 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 no. I keep thinking I hear voices, Muriel said once again. Not human voices. Not exactly. They're too soft and... Like whispers, McCormick suggested. Cricky, (laughs) cricky. Call me cricky. I'm Spiderlegs. Hello. We're all the bugs of the haunted house. Come and see me. Like whispers, McCormick suggested as casually as he could manage. The whole time she's hearing that, she's like, like uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like whispers. <laughs> no, less audible than that. They're like an echo, a memory. They can be felt, not heard. Imagination, said McCormick rather rudely. His eyes sought the door again. There was no door. Only blank wall, solidly pale in the dim dimness. He could feel a tightness on his heart and throat, and with real savagery tried to persuade himself that this was no more than curious, notable, absorbing. We're shut in, Muriel said aloud, and the ring of apprehension in her voice made him jump. Go out the fucking window. Next, no, there's a cute little cricky. <laughs> They'd crush it. All right. Next moment, a bell rang clear and far away. Rang again, again, again. <laughs> Now's the hour. <laughs> Is that what it's in? The wedding. I don't know. It just sounded oh. like 
characters in a movie being happy that the prince and the princess are marrying. You know. <laughs> the day has come. The prince and queen. And now we all celebrate. Yeah. Like that. Except they're insects. <laughs> the beetle prince has taken a butterfly bride. <laughs> A millipede prince has come to take her side, and now the kingdom saved. We're shut in. <laughs> it's midnight, he said briskly, and with the greatest relief he had known in years. Hear that clock striking? Let's clear out and head back to the cabin. He rose to his feet, feeling unaccountably light, as though he'd floated up. Once Wee. more, he led the way, trying to make out the vanished door through which they had come short minutes ago. Muriel's cry of agonized tape. Terror brought him up short. Scotty! Look back there where we were sitting! Oh, shit. What What do you mean? He spun round, still with that strange, airy lightness. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Against the wall dangled two silent figures. Bands, or nooses of rope, held them by the necks to the gleaming hooks that jutted close to the ceiling. The figures hung limp, like unmistakably dead. One was long and thin, in a rough coat and trousers, The other, smaller and unmistakably feminine, wore a tweed suit and scuffed walking shoes. To McCormick, those two corpses looked vaguely familiar. What? Oh, you don't get it yet? Vaguely familiar? Oh, okay. Fair. Huh. My face looks vaguely familiar. (laughs) Again, Muriel's fear-loud cry beside him. Scotty, I can't see you. Where have you gone? I'm right here, he said hoarsely and turned in the direction of her wail. He could not see her either. He put out a hand to touch her. He could not see the hand. Immediately, he knew what man and woman were hanged on the wall of the haunted room. The end. And then our prince, (laughs) he wet the bug. I'm happy to see them this day. The beetle kingdom has found peace, finally. No one has invited the ants. The ants are angry. <laughs> no one ever thinks of the ants. But we are your ecosystem. We have a queen as well. The queen rises. Ah. <laughs> ah. Ah. See her descend. See her descend upon the wedding. <laughs> Anyone who goes to see this musical loses their mind. It is so discordant. There's also, like, so much nudity. People are just wearing, like, extra legs, but they are all nude. And you know it's supposed to be symbolic of something, but you don't You don't get it at all. You don't get it. It's also one of those where they come out into the audience and then... Oh, no! And then, uh, like, so... Uh, and then they're like, you are an ant, too, yeah, yeah. and you have to carry this crumb on your back. And then they bring out a giant prop crumb, and they make you file onto the stage. And you're like, fuck you, Julie Taymor! You'll ruin the day! <laughs> this ticket was $45, and now Center Theater Group is gonna call me! If you want me to attend your plays, then quit making me feel old by saying I can go for free. But just kidding. It's only for people over under the age of 25. Mm. Uh, wow. So I that mean, that's my favorite musical. 
I mean, it is my favorite musical of all time, but it did make me insane. And that's, I saw it yesterday, and that's why this episode is the way it is. Well, and then you called when me. It's stuck in your head. It gets stuck yeah, in your it gets head stuck in so your head. easily. And then um, you called me, and then you were like, uh, Dr. Michael Crichton, medical wellness. Well, <laughs> and then I was like, what? And then I saw the musical, and I was like, yeah. oh, I get it. Yeah. You get it now. I get it. <laughs> Call Dr. Crichton. God, I know what to do. <laughs> Medical woman. <laughs> Stop this marriage. And during Don't that part, it happened. It's during, like, during that part, it's playing so much organ. It's yes. like, like, just someone, like, bonking on an <laughs> organ. Like, why? But also, <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> Basically, it's what the Phantom thought that song yes. was going to be. Yes. When he was like, when they're like, you're and he's like, fuck yeah, this is what it is. But it's not what but it is. But it's not. This, this is, is that. <laughs> um, so so that's um, the two people who thought they were hunting ghosts and became ghosts. Yeah. Which is what that story is called, as you clearly remember. <laughs> Where Angels Fear by Manly Wade Wellman. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Written March 1939. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. Or maybe it just appeared in that issue. I just don't get, like, so you just go there and then you magically get hanged? Yeah, it's a mystery. Wow. It's a little, it does feel like um, a little bit Shirley Jackson-y. Mm-hmm. It does. And the prose isn't that bad. Not too bad. Mm. But it, but it's also boring. Not great. <laughs> you know, not great. It, it's not, it's not. It's like, I wasn't, the language is good. Like, sure, the sentences are sure. well formed. But, like, meh. I mean, we invented a like uh, horror opera yeah. to avoid reading this story involving, involving insect nude actors portraying the way it started out so happy. It was like adorable crickets going, Would you like to come to the wedding? The prince and princess are getting married. And it's like, We are all nude. We are ants. We are in your eyes. <laughs> There's also like too much use of like, fake blood that you think maybe is pig's blood. This is decay! <laughs> the blood of your heart here on the stage. On the stage, on the stage, on the stage! <laughs> Alright, well, we hope you guys were listening uh-huh. with noise-canceling headphones when you <laughs> listened to that. I hope it was just, like, blasting I hope ears. that you have super expensive, like, over-the-ear yes. headphones from Sony so that you could really get all of the richness I also musical. check out the album on Spotify. I hope that you don't now have tinnitus because of this. Um, I hope your hearing is healthy and well. Mm-hmm. Um, all the best to you and yours. All the best to you and yours. Um, thank you so much for the suggestion for this story. If you guys want to suggest a story, go to our Twitter, Public Domain Pod, and the pinned tweet is a link to a form that you can fill out. Yep. Thank um, you so much to the person who submitted this um, and inspired an entire musical. Seriously. This is, this, you know what? This is on you. <laughs> this is, like, this it's is because fault. of you. I never would have sung in that way. No. This, I mean, you should have seen this coming. This was inevitable. Yeah. Um, this is what this episode It would follows be. in that way. It follows movie. It follows a movie, which is actually the movie adaptation of the, <laughs> of this, of the musical of that the, we, Oh, right. Well, called, the musical is like yeah. based off of this too. But if you don't see the connections, I mean, you're fucking yeah, dumb. Like it, it was called, um, where Fuck angels fear, yeah. Um, but it was adapted, and they called it "It Follows" because <laughs> they were like, "You get it." 
Or like, but they took it from a line. You remember the line. You remember it. It definitely said that. Um, so uh, help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and um, follow us on all the social medias at uh, Public Domain Pod. Um, and uh, there's no other biz, right? I think that's all the biz. Like, like seriously, leave a review because like just uh, fucking sir, do what? it. Do uh, it. Why? Why aren't? Haven't you? Just please, 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 please. It doesn't this take that we're long. We're talking to you. Um, no, you know we're talking to you. You know who you, you are. You know who you are. Please just do it. It does not take a long time, and it really you does. No, I'm just gonna say it, Randy. Randy. Randy, leave us a review. Leave us a review. Because you're the only one who hasn't done it yet. And um, the, you're amazing. Just a tip: eat a meal before you record a podcast. <laughs> Don't have the only thing in your stomach: water and rosé <laughs> and canned rosé. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you'll improvise it terrifying musical yep and uh go to the amundsen uh keep it cultured Woo! forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey for more original podcasts please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.